Thank you everyone for joining us for this edition of Mwango Spaces. We are hosting a Kenjan for the topic is going green with Kenjan. Today's co-host is Alex Mwanzo, as you know him at Turbo Diesel. Alex Mwanzo, maybe you can say hi to the audience as we start. Hi, I know my name is confusing, especially now that we're talking about green vehicles and whatnot. But an evangelist, the EV being capital, I usually champion for movement to electric vehicles. And I think this conversation is really interesting because it's good to see that one of the major stakeholders in power delivery is adopting electric vehicles and things like that. So I'm very happy to be here, happy to share some notes, happy to learn as well. And let's see where this goes. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you, Alex. That will be my co-host for today. So before I introduce the other speakers, maybe I just want to warm up the spaces a bit, introduce Mongo Spaces and introduce today's topic. And then I'll let Alex introduce the other speakers. At Mongo Capital, we are a research and media company. We cover East Africa's financial markets and seek to inform investors about what companies do and help them digest companies' financials and business news. We also inform and educate retail investors through a rigorous research and high-quality media platforms. Our today's spaces are mostly focused on understanding how moving to green energy remains essential to the country, that is Kenya, and the role the companies like Kenjan, which is a leading energy producers, play in that aspect. Just to place it to context, there was a research done by McKinsey released in February early this year which said that transport currently makes up about 10% of Africa's total greenhouse gas emissions. So that stresses why this is an important topic and why we chose it before we ended the year. So just to summarize, there has been numerous developments in that manner transitioning to green energy. As we know, will accelerate the SDGs achievements and we felt it is best to end the year by letting the audience know much about this. I have a panel of four speakers plus my co-host. I have engineer Catherine Nyambala, who is a business process improvement manager at Kenjan. David Mutike, who is the head of strategy and innovation at Kenjan. Paul Wambugu, innovation manager. And Frank David, who is a communication manager at Kenjan. So Alex, maybe you can take over, let the speakers introduce themselves and tell us more about what they do at Kenjan. Thank you so much, Mwango. That's a very good introduction from your end. So I'll just swing straight to Engineer Auma, the Business Process Improvement Manager. Let's start with who are you, what you do at Kenjan, and what exactly does your job entail before we dig deep into you guys going green? Okay, thank you. So you had my role working with teams to digitize our systems, to conduct in-depth analysis using Lean Six Sigma to problem solve and look at issues that are affecting our revenue. Besides my core business, I am part of the Good to Great Innovation Council, which works to, together in the company to have our annual pitching platform where Kenjian staff pitch ideas and then they're processed by the innovation division. I am also one of the innovators having pitched several ideas around energy storage and also on EV infrastructure rollout. I'm also part of the women development initiatives that Kenya has undertaken, such as Pink Energy. I think I'll leave it at that. Thank you so much. So just off that, you sort of manage the whole process and sort of mitigate the waste that a company like Kenya would bring and things like that. Let me start with you, Frank. Hi, Frank. How are you? Who are you and what do you do? Thank you. My name is Frank David, I'm the communication manager. Of course, that means I deal with both internal and external communications for Kenjan, which, as you all know, is the leading energy generating company in Kenya. So I think that, in brief, is, uh, is Frank. On the side, 
I'm a big pet lover. I love dogs so much. An all-round kind of a person, married to only one wife. And I always consider myself a communication nerd. I love everything communication and public relations. I enjoy seeing companies solve their most basic and most complicated challenges through communication, PR, and branding. Thanks so much. I'll go straight to Paul. Hi, Paul. So same questions to you. Hi, everyone. Good evening. My name is Paul Wambugu. I'm the Innovation Manager in Kenjin. I'm responsible for research and development. That's looking for new knowledge. And we're doing projects like looking for minerals from brine. We have a number of other research projects like green hydrogen that we are running. I'm also in charge of innovation, which is implementing ideas that can cut cost generate new revenues, improve our business efficiency, and I'm also responsible for knowledge. So I do those three things, R&D, innovation, and knowledge. I'm quite happy to be joining you this evening and to discuss electric vehicles. This is one of the innovation projects that Kenjan is piloting and has started, and we hope that with this discussion, we can spur interest in transitioning to electric vehicles We'll have a lot more to discuss on that front. From a personal standpoint, I'm quite keen on how, as Africans, we can contribute to not only the transition to green, but also ensure that we as Africans take the lead and we're not always adopting technologies developed elsewhere. So we are researching on our own and we are coming up with new technologies and taking advantage of these new waves in this world to advance the continent, leapfrog from where we are to developed country. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Paul. So I'll go to Frank since you're called the communication nerd. What's the relationship between me switching on my lights and Kenjen? So just break it down for me. What exactly is Kenjen? What do you guys do? And what's the relationship between you guys and Kenya Power? Let me start it first from the history. And I think our history is very interesting. We began almost like the way Safaricom started as a very small department inside Telcom. So Kenjan also began as a very small department under the then East African and Power Lighting Company. At that time, we were called Kenya Power Company. Now, you will be surprised to know that the only thing that we were supposed to be doing at that time was to export power from Uganda, which was mostly hydro, to Kenya and therefore help to boost supply within the country. Over the years, the company has grown, and today we have about 1,904 megawatts of electricity, which makes us the largest energy generation company in, in the East African region. That tells you that we began with getting power from Uganda, but now it became bigger than even Uganda. The energy chain, the value chain in Kenya is something that everybody, and I, I'm hoping there are some colleagues of ours here from South Africa, and other African countries who are always looking for ways to emulate what we do. Kenya's energy sector is what we call unbundled in the sense that we begin with the generation side of the business, which means generating electricity using various sources. The largest in Kenya currently is hydro and geothermal, which are the largest generating sources. Unlike other countries in the advanced economies who rely on fossil energy like coal and the rest, so ours mostly the best load, what we call the best load is hydro and geothermal. Then, of course, we have some wind and a bit of thermal. So the generation mode is more or less the same. It's just the fuel that is different. So we do that by producing the power 
which then is transmitted through a transmitter called Ketraco, Kenya Electricity Transmission Company. They transmit it using those big, big transmission lines you see when you travel up country. And then through that, they go to Kenya Power, who is the most prominent brother in the value chain. So Kenya Power is the one that now goes down to you customers, give us a chance to connect either as a private domestic user or a commercial entity. Of course, there's somebody called Rare, who, Rarek, who does rural electrification. And I think this is what has helped Kenya grow its access to about 75% now, which is one of the highest in the continent. So basically, ours is to make the electricity available and pass it on to Kenya Power, who then makes it available to the energy user at the switch. So when you switch on your electricity, or your switch in the sitting room, or you watch TV, I'm sure during the World Cup, just know that Kenjan was there with you in your living room. And we feel happy when our customers are able to enjoy stable, reliable, and clean energy all through the year. Thank you. Thank you so much. And just before you leave, I was actually in one of your talks. I think we had the Kenjan GM. And he did say we have almost 92% of the power produced in Kenya being renewable. Just break it down for us. What is this renewable energy? What are the sources? And what's the benefit of using clean, renewable energy as opposed to using diesels and the likes? For those of you who are able to go on Google now, I'm sure you start looking for which countries have got the highest share of renewable energy. I want to believe your search is going to give you countries like Germany and the rest who are at about 14%. In Kenya, and uh, we had the best experience during the COVID-19 period, where, of course, a lot of the industries had slowed down and business was not really booming as it is now. Those days, you could go to as high as over even 99% in terms of green energy. But basically, on average today, we do about 93, 90, even 95% of green energy. And that is mostly drawn from hydro and, uh, and geothermal, we also have a big wind uh, wind power station, the Turkana Wind, and of course the Kenjan Gong Wind in the Gong Hills. Kenya and I think Africa, we are lucky to say that we are able to power our economies using renewable sources. And at the same time, we are able to combat the effects of climate change. At the moment where we are now as Africa, we are already ahead in terms of the fight against climate change. We can learn from the Western countries or the Western economies who powered the economies using fossil fuels and other sources that cannot be called clean, and they're now feeling the effects today. So the pressure is really high on those kind of economies to find ways of cleaning their energy sources. But in Africa, we already have this. And in Kenya, I think we are leading, not only in Africa, but even globally. The only other country that comes close to us, or rather is doing better than us, is Iceland. But if you look at the population of Iceland, it's a very small country, but they're able to do their business with 100% of renewable energy. So I think second to Iceland is Kenya. And this is why conversations like the EV is important. The vehicle industry accounts to one of the highest carbon footprints in, in the world. And I think in Kenya, I saw some data saying about 10% of carbon footprint comes from the transport sector. So can we think of ways in which you can bring down even this controllable diesel and fuel and other fossil kind of energy so that we can continue being clean as Africa and also grow our economies? I think we can speak more on that as we go along, and I will invite even Paul to say one or two on that. Back to you. Thank you so much. That actually really explains it. And yeah, it's good when someone like me tries to wrap 
my head around renewable energy and Kenya in as much as us being a developing country we are able to extract as much renewable energy as possible from solar wind and geothermal and things like that i'll just jump to paul the innovations manager why electric vehicles why not anything else is it because you generate a lot of power so you will need electric vehicles for your normal runs during the day from say in the gdc going down and things like that just walk us through the whole ideas and the whole setup for moving to electric vehicles thanks for that i really want to say that for kenya electric vehicles is a perfect opportunity for us to actually reduce the amount of reliance we have on fossil fuel which as you all know we import fuel from the arabian countries and the oil producing countries and by using electric vehicles we will be leveraging on the abundant re- renewable energy sources that we have here in Kenya as frank has just put it we are at 90% we are really like the best in the world doing 90% this is really like an a in terms of renewable energy and therefore we should be at the frontier of going green especially with vehicles there is no reason why we should be importing fuel for transportation especially for motor vehicles when we can use electric vehicles now on the converse globally there is consensus that we cannot continue with emitting fossil fuels if you look at the the charts on carbon emissions it looks like the temperatures of the earth will go beyond 2 degrees celsius which means that we are at a significant risk of unpredictable climate events if we do not arrest this global warming and the global warming is as a result of high emissions of, of carbon into the atmosphere and so countries that manufacture vehicles if you, that's germany Japan, Britain, the US, all of them have put time limit on when they will stop producing internal combustion engines, ICE engines, and so to date I think in the UK we have around 50,000 EV chargers, in Europe alone is over 300,000 EV chargers. So many new EVs are coming on board, and that's because there's a transition that is being planned to move into electric. And so Kenya being a major producer of green energy we stand a very good chance of reducing our reliance on fossil fuel reducing our expenditure in importing fuel and actually greening our environment and taking taking this as a low hanging fruit that we can peg on and kenjen has taken the advantage of that opportunity by bringing on board some electric vehicles and will provide a lot of data to assist other entities to take charge and then eventually the Kenyan public will then have an opportunity to transition i hope that answers you thank you yes it does let me just jump to auma so auma what opportunities are there in the electric vehicle space so i know the cars themselves but now in the charging infrastructure and things like that and just a background of the question i do understand you being able to mitigate wastes and in a company like yours waste is a major issue and by you sort of mitigating the waste that in the waste stream and things like that and just having an efficient process then it's for lack of better words more money in your pockets what opportunities are there and what holes quote unquote does the electric vehicle plug in in your whole ecosystem of kenjen absolutely absolutely i want you to imagine i want the listeners to imagine a power blackout exactly when the penalties were starting at the world cup finals can you imagine that mango <laughs> now 
extrapolate that to you driving in your car and suddenly you are going low on your battery and you can't find a place to charge. So the first opportunity over and above what Paul has said that we see is supplying the green power, the green power that will be used by these electric vehicles. If we can do that, we are definitely going to bring in some revenues. And then over and above just providing green power, we need that power to be stable. Electric vehicles consume so much power. If we have all these cars plugged in, you're going to experience some instability in the grid because of the high demand. And so we plan to play that role of stabilizing the grid, even as we sell the power. On top of that, and we're going to discuss a little more around this, when you talk about electric vehicles and batteries, you automatically talk about energy storage. And so we're planning to be part of that story. And the last one I want to talk about at this point is list cost tariff. The discussion around tariff has been going on, raging, raging in this country. And by Kenjan coming in to supply the power that is going to power these electric vehicles, and it's going to be a lot of power because of the capacity of the batteries, even as we replace the ease, we then, if we come in with our list cost, which already market knows about, compared to the IPPs, then we have the opportunity to influence the tariff because of our current cost of production. Yeah, the, the ones who sell power at the list to Kenya Power. And so then we influence the tariff. And that is really exciting for us to be able to influence this. I actually did run a few numbers and it might be related or unrelated. Let's just take Kenjan main offices or rather Kenjan in Naivasha. If I do a trip from Nairobi to Kenjan, which is roughly 100 kilometers, a typical diesel would spend anywhere between 1,000 Actually, slightly more. Fuel is 177 today. Anywhere between, say, 1,500 for the 100 kilometers. But if I use my EV for the same journey, I'm likely to spend roughly 300 shillings. And that is when I'm buying power of my normal Kawaida units in, in KPLC. So does this cut into your fuel cost affect your overheads in your company? Absolutely. You know, when you do the maths, it comes across like something is wrong. So yes, those are the differences the way you have explained. And then over and above that, there is also the difference in cost of O&M, where you are, you're getting the electric vehicle that doesn't have all the moving parts and the kind of maintenance that we're going to do on our four vehicles. You can't compare to what we have been doing on our other cars. And so there's also that extra benefit. Thank you so much. Paul, I'll swing a very hard one to you as we wait for David to come on. What sort of budget has Kenjan allocated to this whole electric vehicle? In terms of budget, you know, we are a public entity. Nearly all our procurements are publicly advertised, so we rarely communicate budgets. What I can just tell you that is that we are committed to this journey. We have already bought four electric vehicles. We have put two EV charging points in Naivasha and in Nairobi. We're going to put an additional three charging points to our stations. That's in Tana, in Kisumu and another one somewhere in Eastern Hydros. And we are planning to go to tender to get a few partners so that we can get this EV charging points into public spaces. And so we'll be looking for some partners, about 30 EV charging spaces in Nairobi, in the major cities, Nairobi, Mombasa, Kisumu, Eldoret, uh, Nakuru. 
We have put aside some money to go ahead and do this. It's not a lot, but we believe that once we set up the highways, the infrastructure, which would be the EV charges, then it will make it easy for customers and for Kenyans in these towns to start piloting and to see the benefits that are there to transition into EVs. So I may not give you a dollar figure or a Kenya shilling figure, but I can assure you that Kenyan has made a commitment to transition. And as I said earlier, that this is really a no-brainer for us. We are producing a high percentage of our electricity from green sources. We are not going to be spending foreign exchange, buying fuel from other countries. These EV charging stations are going to employ Kenyans. And so we want to create jobs. We want to create a strong, robust economy here. And we also want to be technology producers. So once we get into EV charging, the value chain is quite big in terms of electric vehicles. And we believe that this value chain can be an addition. We're just starting with the chargers. And we know that there's a whole industry around electric vehicles that can create new high-paying jobs for Kenyans. Thank you. That's really interesting. I actually have an EV myself. And the fact that I know I can come to Naivasha with family and then I can charge at your premise and things like that is really interesting. Keeping in mind that more often than not, Africa and Kenya at large is on the tail end of all this electrification. If you look at countries like Norway and the likes, there's over 80% of all the new cars bought being electric vehicles. And I know the government has said by 2025, up to 5% of all the new vehicles sold locally will be electric vehicles. Just swing this openly between you, Frank and Auma. What are your thoughts on mass electrification and i know you've mentioned that kenjan is working on making sure that even though everyone starts to charge at night it'll be safe and the grid will be able to handle this but what are your thoughts if in a morning which i'm really praying for there is over a thousand evs in Naivasha? how would this look like in terms of your supply what would be needed on your end and things like that at Tabo, that is definitely going to be a crisis for our sister company, Kenya Power. If all of a sudden you have a thousand vehicles and we haven't done something about the amount of power in this country, it's definitely going to be a concern. But of course, Kenyan, we are always ahead. We have our geothermal projects and there are more projects coming up. So what I can say is instead of, when you find that you're not using all the power, instead of ejecting the steam, you then use the steam to charge the batteries to full capacity at night, and then you use them at daytime. But definitely in terms of grid stability, we have to work on something. And that is what is going to take us to the topic of storage. And of course, you're going to find more and more people are also going to bring in their own captive power, as is already happening, whether it is a solar solution on your rooftop or a small wind like the tea factories do. So that is definitely some of the solutions that are going to be on place. I'll leave my colleagues to answer some more. Thank you for that. And just before Paul and Frank goes, what are your thoughts on either? What are your thoughts on vehicle to grid in that people can charge dead in the night somewhere like 3 a.m. when the grid is a bit stable and then probably offload it back again at some point? Though I know this might be more into KPLC, but what sort of structure is into that, Frank? Yes, that's already happening out there in some countries. And I think the most important thing is, first of all, the policy and regulatory framework to allow for that. Currently, we have the Energy Act 2019, which is coming up with open access. And also, you're able to sell your power as long as you have a certain capacity. And if we put the regulation in place, 
that is going to be possible from a policy framework. But what about from an operations framework and the capacity to absorb and send back to the grid? Again, in due course, this is going to be made possible. So I see that coming to Kenya in due course, and we're going to be able to get bidirectional meter to allow people to get from the grid and also send back to the grid. That's very reassuring. Frank? All right. Thank you very much. I think at the moment, if we look at the whole of Africa, we have just about 1 million bees in the whole of the entire continent. But if you look at the, I always want to compare this with the story of the mobile phone, how it started in this part of the world, where there were only a few people who were privileged to have a mobile phone. But today, if you look at uh, how people use mobile phones globally, I think Africa tops in terms of using the mobile phone. The things like mobile money, MPS and the rest, there's no other place in the world that can compare to how we have used it. And that is because we have got more challenges in, in this part of the world. And therefore, when we have quick solutions, then we are able to become the early adopters, adopt very quickly, and then run away with the such solutions. So I'm sure that the benefits that EV is bringing, and I was actually worried that turbo diesel is purely diesel, but I'm glad to hear that you have an EV. So when you compare your typical car where you have to do maintenance of your engine, the spark plugs gone, you have to change oil. These EVs don't even have an exhaust pipe. And therefore, the entire engine and the entire system is off your budget. You only have to focus on the charging. And in Kenya, currently what you are giving is what we call the fast charger, which I think just about, I, I'm hoping Fred uh, Olo was here. But I hear just about three hours, the car is fully charged. You can move about 300 kilometers. So no much maintenance. So I am really optimistic that we might be on a slow start now with the 1 million units in Africa. But the next five years, we will be looking at even up to 40% of the vehicles in Africa will be running on energy. And now it will be electric energy, which is clean. Because a place like Kenya, we have assured you we have 90% clean energy. And that is the same thing we'll be moving on to to spur that EV space. Yeah, let me leave it at that and pass on to Paul. Thank you so much, Paul. Yes, thanks. I think in terms of mass adoption, just expect that to happen. And it's happening in the developed world. I understand from companies like GE, dealerships are even closing down because maintaining an electric vehicle is very, very cheap. And so there's not a lot to do. And you actually have a long interface between the first service and the second one because the EV really has very few moving parts. And therefore, it's quite economical for customers to move into electric vehicles. In terms of adoption, as Frank has put it, there is always technology adopters like host today. There are few people who start the trend and soon Kenyans are known to do that. Soon you'll have an avalanche of people going out to get electric vehicles and so what we're saying as Kenjin is that we need to be ahead of the park. We need to create those highways, the roads, the EV charging stations, the EV charging infrastructure, which would be used to power these vehicles. It will be a massive opportunity because this is not a question of if, it is actually happening as we speak. There is also regulations that are coming in terms of emission. I believe if the world does not get its handle on carbon emissions, there will be regulations coming on board. For some countries, carbon taxes are an active discussion. And so the cost of acquiring a vehicle will become cheaper because most of the countries that are manufacturing EVs are looking towards making the cost of EVs and ICE vehicles nearly the same or even cheaper. 
And so we expect very soon that to be affordable. And for the average Kenyan, having to buy a vehicle and then not fueling it, it will add a lot of money to your household income. Imagine every month if you don't have to fuel your car. That's 20000 30000 back into your pocket to invest in your businesses, to pay for school fees, to do quite a number of other things. As you just mentioned, on average, per annum, if you move to around 31,000 kilometers, you will save over 390,000 Kenya shillings. That's a lot of money. And what that calls for is that the power utilities like Kenya Kenya Power, our regulators, we start setting up the infrastructure, the regulations, so that we make this transition a smooth one and we make it easy for Kenyans to acquire electric vehicles and run them within our country. Thank you. Thank you so much. And it's it's good that I'm seeing David here and as you come in. So the first question is just tell us who you are and what part of this whole puzzle do you play? And also what would happen in a weird world whereby there's no power? Does it mean that we will not charge our vehicles? And then the third one would be, you've obviously driven one of these electric vehicles. How is it different from your Kawaida Prados, your Kawaida cars and things like that? What's the major difference? David, we've lost him, but we are working on bringing him back. Okay, so as that happens, Auma, you've obviously probably driven or been in one of these cars. How is it different from your Kawaida cars? Unfortunately, I sit on the fence. I love electric vehicles. I've been in the field for the longest time. And they're amazing, they're soft, they're silent, they have a lot of power, nothing actually that can be compared. But at the same time, I miss the soul of a heavy diesel, and this sounds wrong. But I do understand on an efficiency perspective that most of these diesel and petrol cars are only 30% efficient. But when you look at electric motors, they are over 90% efficient, and that's even where the savings come from. So to you, Auma, how is it different? And do you believe that electric cars lack soul, for lack of better words? Okay, first of all, obviously, the electric car is very new and therefore it's very smooth and then very, very silent. I love the dashboard with my indicator showing me my battery level and all the other elements at the dashboard with putting your phone so that you can connect directly when your call comes and charging and so on. So it's actually exciting to drive an electric car and feel that you're driving something green and that you don't have an exhaust polluting the air and it's very, very silent. So I I, I really enjoy the drive and I would highly recommend this. I like what you asked, David, about what happens if there's a blackout. You wake up and there's a blackout. The battery sizes is anything from 45 kilowatt hour, 65 kilowatt hour, all the way Tesla, very big batteries. And so if you had adequate charge, chances are you would actually have enough power to go to work and come back on that day. If you are traveling long distance, you would still be having enough power to get to your next source of power, I believe. So yes, that's a very interesting question. Like what happens if you wake up and there's a blackout, but the odds are you'll be having enough power to keep you going for a while. And like petrol, where you you all of a sudden you're down to E and you better find a petrol station or you can't move. This one, you'll be monitoring your battery. The indicator will be showing you where you're moving and it's very, very important to recharge in good time. Thank you. Back to you, Tabo. 
Alex, I can see there's a lot of interest in this discussion and comments already flowing in and people are requesting to speak. Let me just let you know that we'll be accepting speaker requests in a few, not at this moment. And we'll also address the DM, so keep them coming. For us to allow you to ask questions directly or add you as a speaker, make sure you're using your real name on Twitter, have a profile photo and a bio that describes what you do. That will help us know you a little better. Thank you, Alex. Carry on. Thank you so much. Paul, take an instance where I'm going to say Kisumu, which is roughly, give or take, 300 kilometers. My car would do, say, the same 300 kilometers. And you've just mentioned that you're setting up charging sessions along the way. You're looking for partners and things like that. In your own words, would you say electric vehicles currently just can't do Kisumu at the moment? Or, and this is me being realistic, roughly all of us, only take our cars to Kisumu once a year. So it's a very small negligible issue that we don't need to exactly fix now, keeping in mind most of our cars are home to office, home to work, home to maybe Naivasha and Bark and things like that. What are your thoughts on should an electric vehicle replace your diesel or should it just be efficient for now as Kenjen and other partners are setting up charging sessions so that it will still do the same. You know, your Nairobi, Mombasa, stop at Voi, fully charge it for like half an hour as you're doing your coffee and you proceed. What are your thoughts on this whole dance? Because one of the major questions I get is, well, but you can't go to Mombasa on one charge. Well, but how often do I go to Mombasa? I don't know if it makes sense to you, Paul. Very true. So you're quite right. Right now, the biggest impediment and not only in Kenya worldwide is the availability of public charging and that's because you you have home charging which is where you charge at home which is a bit slow and so for instance if you're not at your home then perhaps that night you may not be able to charge and then there's public charging which is what Kenjin is going to be investing in where you can go to a public space an airport a parking lot a mall where you go in and you can charge your electric vehicle but as you rightly put it this extremely long distances like 300 kilometers are quite rare so for a city dweller a home to work an electric vehicle will more than cover your daily requirements in terms of movement but going forward we will definitely need electric charging spaces or spots across the country to allow a wider adoption for the public. Because if you're, for instance, in Kisumu and you want to buy an electric vehicle, at the moment, it will be a bit challenging because you only have to charge from home, which takes quite a lot of time to recharge to full. But that is not an actual impediment. We are expecting that in, in not a very long time to come, we should be having a few electric charging stations and as more people adopt the vehicles, we expect a higher number to get Im- implemented. So for Kenjen, hopefully if all goes well, by next year we will have at least 30 charging stations across the country. And so that's quite a bit. And the following year, if everything goes well and our numbers look good, then we will roll out additionally a few more spots. As we speak today, private players have also rolled out electric charging spots. We have one at, at the Basilica, some at uh, the TRM, at uh, Two Rivers. So we know that a lot more charging stations will be set up by not only utility companies like us, but also by private players. Thank you so much, Paul. David, glad to have you here. So the first question would be, who is David? And what part of the puzzle do you fit? And you've been piloting these cars 
the jack pickups for i think two three months now if not longer what is your key take home from this from the charging from the piloting and things like that and a hard one would you ditch your kawaida car for an electric vehicle thank you thank you very much good evening everyone my name is david Timothyke. i trained in electrical engineering but some many years ago, like 20 years ago, I fell in love with strategy. Now, my role at Kenyan as the general manager in charge of strategy and innovation, and we specifically give thought leadership to the business, particularly in guiding, in opening up new directions for the business, and also making sure that what we do, we create value for our shareholders. And we do, we also give Kenyans the competitive price electricity. And whatever we do, we make sure we're also taking care of the climate. So that's in, at personal level, I'm married with one daughter and one son. And there's uh, somebody made a joke that he's married to one wife. I have one wife. And my personal interest is actually energy. And I say personal interest because energy is everything. And I liked it when I was in high school doing physics. You, human being is able to work because you have to eat food that will provide you energy. And therefore, energy is everything as we discuss this topic of electric vehicles. Coming to Kenjan, innovations are everywhere. Innovations are actually floating everywhere. But my definition for innovation is that uh, if you have not made it happen, then you cannot call it innovation. But the moment you make something new to start happening, it becomes an innovation. And therefore, at Kenjan, we are piloting on these electric vehicles, knowing that other countries have already started it. I am very much aware that electric vehicles were there in 1900. They were even changing infrastructure in California, in U.S., but there are many reasons that that did not pick up, particularly because of the weight of those vehicles those days, the issue of speed, the issue of cost, and therefore internal combustion engine provided those opportunities. Many the technology of ICE better, and therefore, with the availability of oil and diesel and gas, then people left out the EV and we went to ICE. ICE, I mean internal combustion engines. So Kenjan, we started with a pilot, and the whole idea of this pilot is, first of all, to understand from practical terms what electric vehicle is all about. We have learned a lot about it. You can Google it. This information is all over. But you wanted to have a first hand to understand how these EVs are working, what is the main maintenance cost like, what is the total cost of ownership looking like. And our view is from this pilot, we shouldn't be able to transition Kenjan fleet to EVs, particularly to cutting down our, on our costs, and that will fit in our strategy to make sure you're operating business at a lower cost. And therefore, be able to save cash that can be directed to funding more renewable energy. So my take home on this topic of EV is that this is a life changer technology because it's not turning back. The few months you've operated our pilot, I can tell you that the cost of power today is about 25 shillings per unit. All right? And the fuel is around 178 to 180 shillings per liter. And a few numbers that I've checked is showing that when I charge this car and I pay power at 25 shillings per unit, I'm spending approximately 4 shillings per kilometer. Now, that is in comparison to an internal combustion engine, which gives us approximately 18 shillings per kilometer. So if you check 4 and 18, that is almost four times better in terms of cost per kilometer. That touches on maintenance and it touches of fuel consumption. Yeah. So that's the first experience I have, and that is my big take home. Number two, from the drivers that we have engaged, these cars are more powerful in terms of picking. Remember, they are running on motors, and therefore the time of picking for this car, the power it has, 
is more efficient than a diesel engine or a petrol engine. And therefore, experience in terms of driving is better. And then given a chance, I would actually change it to EV indirectly. Currently, at personal level, I'm trying a hybrid system. And my experience is very, very different in terms of fuel saving. The car I have is a hybrid is doing approximately 20 kilometers per liter. And in a normal highway, it is doing around 25 kilometers per liter. And that tells me actually EV is the way to go. Now, one of the questions I had just to end on this question is, what if there's a blackout? And it's a very pertinent question. And it happens that you don't have your car with a charge. And I'm saying, look, we have been running mobiles and our phones, let me use that one, our, our, our telephone, the mobile I'm using. I know when I change my battery, I know how I've been using it. And therefore, it has become my lifestyle. And therefore, in terms of how we are going to use EVs, we are going to adapt to the same lifestyle. Whereby you will be knowing how your car operates and at how much charge should you ensure you are maintaining it at any one time. Never mind, there couldn't be a blackout. And therefore, there's a fear that maybe this EV cannot help me. But I'm putting it out there that today it's very difficult to do without green power. And that green power is also being now complemented with the captive power. And those homes that are putting up home solar systems, soon you will see those home solar systems being used now so to be charging EVs. And therefore, the overall total cost of ownership from home solar systems and even people with their EV cars, you find the total family budget will be more efficient when we go through this direction. I want to stop there, and I hope I've responded to some of the areas you have highlighted. Yeah, you actually have. And I've just noticed that we met recently at an EV workshop in town. And one of the questions that actually cropped up is, do understand the need of guys shifting mass adoption of electric vehicles? And what is Kenjan as a company doing in terms of policy and going to government and say, we have enough power, we can actually supply a thousand or two thousand or ten thousand or even a million EVs towards mass adoption? And number two, do you foresee a point whereby power for charging EVs will be subsidized? And a spin off of that question is, how will the last guy, say KPLC, know that I'm not ironing my shirt but charging my car? How do you tell the difference of, is this power actually charging a vehicle or am I having a disco in the house? I don't know if that makes sense, David or Paul. Either can start. All right. Here, first question you're asking is about policy. Kenjan, we want to be an accelerator to EV adoption. And that's why we want to also be part and parcel in terms of rolling out charging infrastructure. Because we know one of the key to adoption of EVs is convenience. People want to know it is convenient that I can go to an area, maybe a parking or whatever, petrol station, wherever it is near me, and be able to charge my car as quickly as I can, dependent on the time you have. And therefore, convenience is one of the areas that Kenjin want to play a part in by also being part and parcel of the people who will be rolling out charging infrastructure. Number two, technologically, we are aware that we now have what we are calling hyper-fast charging stations. And therefore, the question where somebody will stay for eight hours waiting for a car to charge will be along of the path. So in, in one or two hours, you shouldn't have enough charge to take you quite a number of kilometers, maybe 200 to 150 kilometers or more. In terms of policy, this is a new area, and sometimes innovation runs faster than the government policy. But we are participating in the areas that policy will be required to be shaped. And we are now participating with the, the team from also Kenyan Bureau of Standards 
particularly in outlining or rather trying to evolve how the standards will look like. Because we know the question of interoperability will be very, very important. We want to have universal changes. So the policy, that's where we need to shape it from aspects of the standards and also aspects to do with the standards that will be required when we are setting up this changing infrastructure. The other policy bit I wanted to mention also that will be critical for us is when we start putting changing stations, one of the areas that we have to work very closely with the distributor that is Kenya Power is to make sure there will be some requirements to do system upgrade. And I'm giving an example here. If you want to roll out some charging stations, then you might find the transformer in that location is not sizable enough. And therefore, there couldn't be requirements for system upgrade to be able to meet these charging requirements. So these are areas of policy, of course, working with the Ministry of Environment in terms of reduction of carbon emissions, among others. And Kenyan being a party to even a UN, UN, United Nations Global Compact, this area will be working very closely to shape the policy as it evolves. Now, in terms of subsidy, I don't believe too much on subsidy. I would rather work on what the market talks about in terms of cost. Subsidy could be thought of maybe trying to accelerate, but it is important to look at the, the current cost because, again, I can talk of subsidy which accelerates the adoption, but there is no subsidy on the other side of reinforcing the system that they want to change them. And therefore, I would advocate we go according to competitive market forces. And as I said at the moment, even at 25 shillings per unit of power, running an EV car is very efficient as opposed to running a diesel or a petrol, a petrol engine. So that's my response in terms of the subsidy requirements. I'm not saying subsidy are bad, they are, they, are not, they, are, they, are, they are good, but it's important we look at this EV adoption from a costly competitive point of view so that you can get the power you need and the offtake is able to reinforce or rather to upgrade the system to be able to accommodate the peak demand that will be envisaged when this comes in. That brings me to my final point on this one, that we, for instance, we have now as big as 700 kilowatt systems which are able to do something we call on the balancing, and therefore you can be able to charge as many cars as 20 cars at a go if you're having maybe 20 kilowatts or more that are charging at a go. And therefore, when you see you'll be requiring even in one station to have as big as 800 kilowatts, that's almost one megawatt, it pushes now us as Kenjin to quickly also accelerate our investment in green power, which is geothermal, and be able to meet the demand of the power that we foresee. So there's a positive for us that when this demand goes up, the market for product will be there. And it is our happiness to actually to be a key enabler to make sure we go through this route, which we know, as another speaker said, it will also help our economy to save the much needed dollar and also improve our balance of payment. That's why I look at it at this point. And my personal feeling is when this technology starts getting adopted and we can see what is happening in the market there, particularly the people, the private people who have started it, people like Roma, people like Basgo and others who are coming in, that we have started seeing even private public transport investors being keen to invest in the new, new technology. For information in terms of cost, the difference between a diesel pickup and an EV pickup is not, is not big. They're almost the same price. And you will see this adoption going faster when people know there will be changing stations for convenience 
and be able to operate their business without worrying where they'll be changing next. So there's a new area with a lot of learnings and a lot of discussions, stakeholder engagement, to make sure you're moving together in terms of those who are providing power and those who are coming in also to invest in this area. Thank you so much, David, for that and break, breaking it down for us. There's a lot of questions coming in on the messaging side, and I'll just come back to them in a bit. And Mbugwa, I know you have questions as well. So I have a question for who are the top players in your EV venture currently? And what sort of guidelines are we looking at from Kenjen in, in 2023, the next 12 months or 18 months and things like that, in terms of expenditure, infrastructure, or target number of vehicles? Is there sort of like a framework, so to speak, on a guideline, say, we're planning on rolling 30 charging stations at ABCD, we're planning on also having 100 EVs based on the data that we have right now, and things like that. So who are the top partners that you are with right now, and what are you looking at for 2023? Okay, thank you for that. You know we are a government entity, and now we are subject to the Procurement Act. Therefore, we can't talk of partners. We talk of sending out our expression of interest and then partners bid and whoever wins the bid then comes on board because we have to follow the regulation for procurement. So for that reason, I cannot specifically talk of the partners. Whoever wins the bid will become a partner at that point. Yes, as Paul said earlier, we are going to be floating tenders based on our strategy and then we are going to be welcoming partners who want to come on board. Having said that, in terms of guidelines, we did work out some numbers to determine how many charging points, supply equipment we should roll out. And we tried to do some simulations to determine what would make sense, given the number of cars that are there in Kenya and the rate at which we are getting vehicles, the rate at which the countries that manufacture have stated that they're going to be facing out combustion engines. And then we ended up with the numbers that we chose, which I would say we just worked out those numbers that make sense to us. So because we are a profit-making entity, we have shareholders and we want to bring value for them. We considered the extent to which the EVs, the, the utilization factor, how many cars did we anticipate would be charged per day? and did some economic analysis and financial analysis to determine. And that is how we arrived at. We are going to start with the number of 30 for the first year, and then subsequent years, we shall go look, looking at the numbers based on the utilization and the returns. And we are also trying to work out the tariffs, and therefore that is what is going to determine, based on the profitability, what we do next. But for the first, we are looking at 30, and it is based on those simulations I've explained. Back to you, Mango. Thank you so much. That's interesting. That is a big number and I'm really looking forward to it because I think once people see that there's a lot of ground being gained by guys like you, then it sort of gives us a sort of a safe platform for us to also either invest in the whole value chain or tender to be part of the partners and things like that and also just bring EV for personal use. And so I jump to Paul. If you were to roll out charging sessions today, which towns would you majorly consider, say, in the next one year? Thanks, Manko. In terms of rolling out, of course, Nairobi will come first because we're looking at the number of vehicles which are operating in those towns. So we'll start with the major cities. That's Nairobi, Mombasa, Kisumu, Nakuru, Eldoret, 
And so those are, will be the major, major towns that we will focus on. And we know that beyond these towns, and they're strategically located in the high population areas. We know beyond that, we will be able to look at how the adoption is and then place some charging stations strategically in other towns so that it's convenient. We know the distance that an EV vehicle will travel to need charge. And so from zero to 300 kilometers, if you do that radius, then you can place a couple of EV charging stations. And it's not going to be very different from petrol stations. You have a lot more petrol stations where the number of vehicles are higher and fewer petrol stations where the vehicles are not so many. So we'll follow the same model, but we'll be looking at data to inform those next steps. As has been alluded to, from a personal standpoint, there is a lot of value in transitioning into an EV. Actually, if you can afford an EV, it will be very difficult for you to transition into an EV. And so we know that with enabling regulation, with incentives in terms of, let's say, bringing on board EV charging stations in Kenya and perhaps getting some sort of carbon credits for transitioning into EV, we expect a lot more Kenyans will be moving into this EV space. So the charging infrastructure that will be set up will then to expand based on the numbers that are coming through. We are not going to do this alone. We know that private players are also going to play a major role in the same Nice. And just before I hand over the mic to, to David, do you consider petrol stations competitors or potential partners? They are, we are actually potential partners. We expect petrol stations will convert into charging stations in the future. So if you look beyond 10 years, and as we had just mentioned when we started, that most internal combustion engine manufacturers, the car manufacturers, the standard petrol and diesel engines, have a stop date. Some of them have put their dates as 2030, 2035. So they are planning to stop production of ICE ice vehicles or internal combustion engines. And so beyond that, we expect that 2035 is not very far from now. And so we expect that a lot more EVs will be coming into the country. And so we need to be ready and we need to have those policy frameworks in place to know the type of vehicles we want to bring on board, the type of arrangement we want in terms of interoperability of the EVs within the country. So we need to start preparing in advance as we know where we're importing vehicles from are are changing into EVs. So what I can say is that it's actually good that we are having this conversation today because it prepares the way for us to get into an orderly transition from ice into thank you so much david a a quick one so obviously the project or rather the pilot is successful even though it's only three months in and based on just one plus one you having three cars right now looking to go to 30 by 2023 have you considered a green bond if at all the projects get successful and a commercial rollout begins thank you yeah not sure whether i need a green bond to buy vehicles this part of operational reinforcement investment that we don't been doing as we face out ICE. What this means, instead of me, when I dispose of owned cars, instead of me buying other diesel or petrol cars, it means my investment should now be in EV. So with the time, five years or so, it shouldn't be sequentially phase out, move to EV from internal operation requirements of our vehicles. But as I said, we see 
a rapid growth of power going forward, and there will be pressure to invest more in the renewable energy, and therefore this will call for considerations from many sources of financing, including what you have mentioned in terms of green board, specifically to finance renewable power plants, or also to finance other investments in the distribution transformation infrastructure. So this is more or less like a requirement that will be required to finance the back end of power supply to make sure the adoption of the EVs are good and also to play a key role in terms of climate change because you will be demonstrating that going EV and using green power, then there's the benefit of reducing carbon emissions. Having said that, the issue of green bond also we have to look at it also in the open market of the carbon used to call it clean development mechanism in terms of carbon credit. And I think we will be requiring a lot of conversations, both nationally and globally, in terms of the market for carbon credits, which will also play a critical role in supporting the issue of green bond issuance. So that's how I see it. And therefore, it's a very, very open area, particularly through the capital markets, to be able to look in this direction to have multi-million dollar investment both in power generation and also reinforcement of our transmission and distribution infrastructure as we go through this route. The good news is, from where I sit, is in Kenya we are in a country where we have free occurring geothermal, which I really love because many countries would wish to have a similar resource like ours. And if that geothermal is used together with other variable sources like solar and wind, then the two would make a very good complementarity in terms of reinforcing both the base load and also the variable component. So yes, the requirement for a green bond is an open when we come to financing. And even if there is a green financing that also can come from other sources, as long as that green financing is competitive, because at the end of the day, it has to have also economic rationale to, to, to so that it's affordable in terms of investment that we are doing this. Thank you. Thank you. I know the answer for this, but I'm just trying to understand the whole value chain between Kenja setting up swapping stations. So with regards to all these EVs, what is Kenja's approach to charging solutions and infrastructure? Is it a Kenja's preserve or is it a KPLC matter or is it a mix and match of you two so that you just generate and then KPLC does whatever they're already doing right now to distribute? And then, or like exactly what's Kenja's role in the whole charging infrastructure? Will you do the whole value chain or will you keep it in, in-house? All right. Let me let me mention this way. I see it as an intertwined approach to this issue. What I mean intertwined is that Kenjan is a power producer. We transmit that power. We sell it to Kenya Power through Ketraco, as explained before. And therefore, our core mandate of power generation will be critical to make sure we are pumping green energy to the grid and as much as possible maintain it at those numbers of 90 92% to make sure we are still talking of the green grid. But when we come to the charging infrastructure, the EV, where I'm saying is the trend, we will be putting the charging infrastructure at the retail end of the power supply chain. Well, that means when Kenyan puts a charging infrastructure, it will be required to pay the retail price of electricity to the off-taker. That's the first bit. That has to be a bit very clear. And Kenyan will also be trying to use technology 
where we can also benefit from making sure that we can give our customers who are, who are using our charging infrastructure that off-peak benefit, particularly when the demand is low. So that is a technology bit that Kenya will be utilizing to make their charging infrastructure competitive. As mentioned, it has to be clear that charging infrastructure is open to, any, to anybody, both Kenya and other private sector. And it's how we invest and manage your charging infrastructure to make sure you are giving the value for your customers better. So to summarize it is to say at the tail end, we will be looking at the retail tariff. And therefore, we will be working our investment based on the existing tariff that Kenya Power will be charging. Because the way the value chain of power is, is very clear that the retail tariff is very different from generation tariff. And we do not want to distort the market. We also to play at that point to make sure whatever we are doing, we are competitive, as I said earlier, and be able to compete in the open market. Second point I want to raise is in terms of the Energy Act 2019, which has given maybe opportunity for power generators to be able to consume power they, they produce or even sell it to other customers outside the main of taker. And therefore, these are options that engine has when we are rolling our own EV cars. And therefore, that opportunity is something we will be looking into and making it more competitive that if we are going to use that power to change our cars, which are a bit more competitive in terms of pricing, then we shouldn't be able to do that and give that service to ourselves and also maybe to the surrounding communities where we operate. So these are the intertwined. I wanted to make them clear that way. But what I am emphasizing is from the numbers that we have done and we are seeing, whichever way, it is far much better and competitive in terms of total cost of ownership for EVs compared with the cars we are using today. Thank you. Thank you so much. We do have a few questions, and Mwango, if, if you can get them. But one of them is their comments regarding concerns of inequality of electricity distribution. What is Kenjen doing towards this, just to make sure the distribution is as efficient as possible? And it doesn't necessarily need or has to be tied to EVs. What's your take on this? Yeah, you have used the word inequality of distribution. One thing I have to make clear is that Kenjen, we are purely power generation company. And we sell all our power currently to one customer who is Kenya Power, who is our only customer. And Kenya Power takes up the distribution of that power to the public. And the mechanism for distribution is where you apply for power, either single phase or three phase, and Kenya Power connects you. So maybe you need to clarify what we mean by inequality of distribution, because that's an area that Kenya does not have a direct input. Our input comes in supplying competitive power to the national grid and therefore is taken up by the off-taker in terms of distribution to the various customers, both the industrial customers, small and medium enterprises, whatever it is, households and the like. However, we have also seen that the market has become very innovative because we know we have customers who are now doing captive generation. And this captive generation, they are trying to shave their own peak, such that they are using solar during the day in terms of where they have high consumption of power to be able to manage their cost of production. So at the moment, distribution is being also now handled from captive point of view, as much as Kenya Power is doing it. And Kenjan, we at the moment, we are not directly getting involved in that. So I might not quite understand the question of inequality of distribution.
Thank you so much, David. If I may ask, has Kenjan considered uh, swapping to curb maybe the blackouts and the problem of maybe long distance travel? Let me address that to David as the head of NOC. Very interesting. Yeah, we know at the moment we are using battery swapping for motorcycles because a motorcycle battery is portable. It's not very heavy. It's, it's something that you can quickly pick and put. But when you look at vehicles, EV cars, these batteries, a number of them arranged in certain sequential manner and they're more or less permanently fixed under the belly of the car. And therefore, from convenience point of view, maybe technologically also, swapping for these batteries will not be the best option. And I'm responding from my technical knowledge of when we talk about battery swapping. For motorcycles, that's fine, because a small battery, you can pick it. For cycling, three-wheelers, even bicycles, that then you can swap quickly. It's, it's swappable, it's, it's portable, it's convenient and all that. But when you come to EVs, when you're having a series of batteries arranged, then that does not bring the convenience and also the technical know-how that is required to do that, which most customers might not. So the solution to that is to have what we are calling hyper fast charging stations infrastructure such that when you are on a journey and I'm giving an example, let's say I'm going to Mombasa and the car I have has a mileage of full charge maybe of 50 kilometers then I know midway maybe Mutituandei or somewhere I need to stop for one hour or so and refill the batteries with the power to get me to where I'm going. So when you're looking at the rolling out the charging infrastructure, these are the conveniences that you'll be checking. Number of cars in terms of the range, how many kilometers would a charged car, maybe as SUV or whatever will take you. And therefore the solution at the moment technologically is using hyper-fast charging stations. And I don't believe battery swapping for EVs would be convenient. It can be done. I'm not saying it cannot be done because we are talking of an environment with a lot of innovation happening. But the convenience, technology-wise, is, I mean, swapping for EV for cars will be challenging. But of course, it's happening for motorcycles, bicycles, and maybe the three-wheelers, the one we are seeing, the tuk-tuk. That will be a solution because, again, these are simple ones you can swap quickly. And therefore, someone doesn't need to stay somewhere for that minute or so trying to wait for the batteries to charge. And therefore, my response to this is to say, battery swapping will continue being good for three-wheelers, two-wheelers, and the like. But for these uh, EV, I mean SUVs and that as small cars, I think fast charging will be the solution. And as I said before, what will be important is interoperability, such that I can charge that car anywhere as long as I have an access to a charging station. Thank you. Thank you. There are a lot of insights from the comments. So Adriano Yugi is saying it will be important for Kenjan to set up an open data portal that is publicly accessible for knowledge transfer for anyone to use. In terms of business, this data can be used for investment justification purposes, predictive intelligence, and forecasting. That, I think, is just a review or a recommendation. We have Foloki. He's using the handle at Foloki. He's asking, we do see power rationing, especially in dry season, when water levels in our dams are low. How will this play out in such times if, with EVs, which will need more and heavy power consumption? I think we have addressed that. There's also an interesting insight from Brian Oyugi, who says, Kenya imported about 300 billion worth of fuel in 2022. 
and this is hard cash exported to already rich oil producing nations. So if we save this cash and currency by using geothermal energy, we can commit the same to solving the nation's budgetary pressure. Over to you, Alex. Thank you so much. It's really interesting what David has said. And I'd just like to add, battery swapping for four-wheelers, unfortunately, will take a while for it to actually make sense. And just as David has said, batteries in four-wheelers play a structural role far from just being energy parks and things like that. So every consistent taking it out and putting it back might affect, one, the connectors, to the structural integrity of the vehicles and things like that. And then thinking of one of these batteries packs roughly 40 kilowatts, if not more, this is roughly how most of us would use in our homes and things like that. So on a safety perspective, it's not a really good idea at the moment. But just as David has said, as people keep innovating, then it might come. And it, it does make sense on paper. But again, if just going back to what we had saying before, more often than not, you wouldn't need it unless it's actually really, really necessary. But again, most of us on our normal trips do anywhere between 15 to 50 kilometers a day or even at most 100 kilometers a day. So if your vehicle has 300 kilometers of range, this would mean, you know, you charging twice a week and things like that. So battery swapping for electric vehicles, for electric four-wheelers wouldn't exactly make sense at this point. So Auma, so back to you. So two minutes, what would you just say about this whole topic? What are your thoughts, individual or as a company, on this whole electrification and Kenjen and the whole mix? So I would say number one, for example, our electric vehicles came with the home chargers. So those in, on the call should know that they can charge at home. It will be the slow charge that uses 7 kilowatt, but you can charge at home. You'll need to charge for 6 to 7 hours, but you're able to charge at home. Number two, the average size of the electric vehicle is 60 kilowatt hours. That means for a Kenyan home that uses 5 units plus or minus, you can actually use this battery from your car to charge your house for anything between 8 and uh, 12 days. And so when you start having the vehicle to home, in the long run, Kenyans are very innovative and we anticipate that there'll be some innovation going down. Here in Kenya, the same way we have embraced mobile telephony, you anticipate that there will be a lot of exciting things happening. And lastly, I witnessed the transition to the internet, the transition to mobile telephony, and I look forward to this exciting transition to e-mobility. Back to you, Alex. Thank you so much. Would you transition yourself? I'm one of the top champions for these topics. I'm one of the preachers. I actually had a go in the Rivian and... Yeah, we really need to transition. And the vehicle V2X, vehicle to grid, vehicle to home, it's really interesting. And it's good that you guys are on top of the curve and looking at it as well. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. Just before you leave, Frank, I'm with you. So, parting short, any last words? What are your thoughts and things like that? I think when you're beginning this, at the very start, you mentioned comparison of uh, a Kawaida car and the EVs, and sort of you said that the EVs don't have a soul. I think I would just wish to counter that. We all know that at the very start of automobile, people were so charged up about the manual shift gear and the excitement of doing that. But I think everybody shifted, transitioned into using automatic vehicles. 
And it's very normal nowadays to just do automatic vehicles. The, the kind of car that I drive, I actually enjoy because it's powerful. I enjoy it because it's powerful and you feel it when you drive. But the one thing I always see on the dashboard that scares me is a check engine. So if I can get a solution that is going to take away that check engine thing, I think that is something that I'll be easily able to adapt and take up very quickly because now it is going to take away a whole load of burden from me. I'm not going to be thinking about expensive engine maintenance, Mara, you hit your exhaust and it's making some noise, and all those kind of things is going to be removed. So I think as we speak in Kenya, the next logical move, the same way we moved from the landlines in the houses, the next logical move in transport in Kenya and in Africa is to move to EV. And Kenyans, I know we are bold enough to do that. As Kenyan, we've always been proud to be seen as a leader and going into uncharted territories. I think you've heard of our activities and exploits in outside Kenya, including Djibouti and Ethiopia. We look at a future where we'll be able to catalyze the e-mobility market in Kenya and get people, not necessarily Kenyan being the only player in the market, but would wish to have other people get into this so that together we are able to solve our urgent challenges in Kenya, which is transportation. There are so many people in Kenya today who still walk. The big major cities like Nairobi, part of Mombasa, a lot of people complain about traffic jams and all that. So if we're able to take away some of these vehicles, and bring in EVs that will replace the fleets in our roads. We'll be having more silent streets because the EVs are quiet and we'll be having more efficiency. So it's just the next logical move. And I'm wishing that in the next two, three years going forward, people will not be thinking of whether EV has a soul or not, but rather it is a more efficient way of doing business, a more efficient way of living, a more efficient way of driving. So I look forward to that future. And it's not really a future now. When they say 2030, people think it's very far. But I think in the next two, three, five years, it will just be normal for people to own vehicles. Thank you. Thank you so much, Frank. And it's good that we have the good guys at Specia Magari, guys who usually champion driving and things like that, being in this space, and just listen on the footprint and what people are doing in the said space. So, Paul, let me just speak as a border border guy or someone who for lack of better words, and unfortunately, I hope this doesn't sound wrong, doesn't care about the environment. Climate change is the least of my worries. What really matters to me is how much I can put in my pocket. So as Paul, do you think Kenyans put profit before the environment? I'm just speaking plainly as a Kenyan or as a border border guy or someone who, you know about EVs, but it's not like I don't care about the environment. But to be honest, it's the least of my worries. So when people are talking about climate change, I don't even know what it means. I do understand electric vehicles are better for the environment and things like that. However, if you sell a vehicle to me or a border border to me and tell me it's good for the environment, it doesn't make sense to me. So just try to explain to me if I pick an electric car and then I'm saving 600 shillings more based on if I'd fuel, um, What's the effect on that? Does more money in my pocket comes first or does the environment comes first? As you also give us your parting shot, Bonapol. Thanks. Thanks for that trick question. Yeah. For Kawaida Kenyan, Boda Boda Rider, the question you always have to think is, is this trip making going to be a profitable trip? You're not really going to be thinking whether you are emitting more CO2 into the atmosphere. And what we have tried to explain here is that 
by transitioning to an electric two-wheeler or an electric motorbike, you will, of course, save because it costs you four times to use fuel for an electric two-wheeler. Once you have acquired the two-wheeler, you really don't have to pay any more in terms of fuel. So you'll be running all your trips and when you get home, you just plug in and you leverage on the electricity from your own home or from a public charging spot. So we actually expect that once the infrastructure is available and people are able to afford it, and we had mentioned this before, that the value chain for electric vehicles is quite big. It starts, of course, with the manufacturing, then into the sales and trading of the vehicles and the two-wheelers, and then eventually it gets to the ultimate customer who will then be using the two-wheeler to ferry people, to ferry cargo, and make an extra shilling out of it. So we expect that once it's possible for Kenyans to charge and to acquire these two-wheelers, they will become a normal thing in our streets. And maybe to take you back, I don't know whether you all remember a few years back, we only had bicycles. Eh? It was very rare to see motorboda border riders carrying cargo and carrying people. It was, was just uh, bicycles and matatus. But today, without any campaign to buy a motorbike, every other village has border border because it makes financial sense for the people there. And for two-wheelers, we expect that once they're available, it will be so economical for the owners of border border to transition to electric two-wheelers. In terms of a parting shot, I really want to thank Mongo Capital for organizing this. And I believe that as Kenyans, we not only have an opportunity to save costs by transitioning to EV, but we can actually play in the whole value chain. By enhancing our energy supply in the country, it means that we produce more megawatts. Producing more megawatts means employing more Kenyans, and that's high-paying jobs for Kenyans. We will need charging softwares, solutions. We need to create our own solutions here. And so that's also more jobs and more opportunities for businesses to set up, charging infrastructure, maintenance. At the retail end, of course, it is the maintenance of these EVs. And because EVs are easier to maintain and they are more economical, we expect that Kenyans can actually participate in that space as well. And so for Kenyan, our big role is to spur this culture of innovation and ability to go out there and try new things and then take advantage of those opportunities to advance our own country. So really want to thank you all and we hope that you can organize another one like this where we'll be sharing our requests for data sharing and I think we're going to review that and see how best we can share the data that we get to, assi to assist other entities, other organizations with larger fleet and generally the Kenyan public to make an informed decision when they are transitioning into EVs. Thank you so much, Paul. You're an amazing person. David, cutting short, and what do you think will happen in the next, say, three years in the EV sector in Kenya specifically? Thank you, Mango Capital, your co-host, my colleague, Frank, Paul, Catherine, and the Palm Recreations team, the communications team of Kenjan, Emmanuel, and the others. And those are the participants who have actually taken their time to listen to us. So thank you very much. My parting shot, I'll make it in some two or three items. One is to say that the era for EV has come, and it is good for us as a country, it's good also for Africa, 
not only for saving climate, but more important, because of the economic sense it makes, I would want to invite the listeners who are here, including uh, Andrian, because we'll also be sharing our case studies, and therefore we encourage you to participate in an innovation seminar when it comes up sometimes June next year, and I believe in that time we'll also have more information on the pilot that we undertake. Number two, Mango is to mention that the fear of power rationing that I might not move because the car doesn't have charge. Before we have more backup systems like solar and battery storage. So at the times when the green green is not available, there will be those innovations that will ensure at least you have a source of energy. Finally, is to say that total cost of ownership is what will drive us towards this direction. And I believe it's a matter of time. And what is important now is also to work closely with the government in terms of seeing the policy that will accelerate this in including how the standards will evolve. Those are my closing remarks, and I wish to thank everybody for being here this evening. Thank you. Thank you so much, David. Thank you so much, the team at Kenjan, Auma, Frank, and Paul. Thank you so much. You've taken your time to be with us now to dissect the whole EV sector and just helping us understand more of what you do and where you plug in the whole ecosystem. It's also interesting that you're sort of reassuring us as the public that you as the energy producers are actually setting the pace on developing and sort of mapping out all these charging stations. So for the next guy, this is by saying, if you buy an EV now, by the next year, you'll have an, an electric charging point at, you know, major towns and things like that. Thank you so much for taking your time. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts and things like that. I've been your host tonight, Alex Mwanzo. Again, thank you for everyone who's listened. Thank you for everyone who's asked the questions and hope to do this again very soon. Back to you on all that, Mwanzo. Ah, thank you, Alex. You have done a great job. I want to appreciate all our speakers today. And we are looking forward to another spaces on either this topic or another, just to discuss more issues around EV energy generation and maybe going green. As Mwango Capital, we always release the Mwango Weekly Newsletter on Mondays. We also recommend that you check out for that and Mwango Memes on Saturday. Thank you for supporting the Mwango Spaces. And that's it for today.